Listening Dog Media. The Hot Mess Mum. The mum most likely to send her kids to school in regular clothes on non-school uniform day. The mum who forgets to sign the permission slip for school trips. The mum who has probably put leftovers in her kids' lunchbox on more than one occasion. But most importantly, the Hot Mess Mum is actually rocking it and is doing a far better job than even she thinks. Please welcome our Hot Mess Mums, telling it as it is, Kelly and Jenny Powell. It is the Hot Mess Mums Club podcast. I'm Kelly Pegg. And I'm Jenny Powell, and I feel like I'm gate-crashing with our next guest. (laughs) No, you're not. Uh, It is lovely Josh Connolly, who is an ambassador for the charity NACOA, and also, I'm going to say your title from your Instagram page, so hopefully that gets it right, Resilience Coach, Humanising Mental Health. Yes, that's me. And can I just say, he does look like Tom Hardy and Ant Middleton, everybody, because I know you're all thinking it, and I know, you know, we've got serious things to talk about, but I just thought I'd get it out there, and we all do agree, don't we? Yes, good. We do. (laughs) Yeah, no, I'm in agreement as well. I'm not going to argue with that. (laughs) Thanks to everyone who's already nominated a mum to win with Swan this Christmas. There's not long left for you to nominate a mum you feel deserves a treat after a tough year. Don't forget, we're giving one person a voucher worth £2,000 to spend with Swan. Keep listening to find out more details and visit swanbrand.co.uk to check out some of their amazing products. The Hot Mess Mums, Kelly Pegg with Jenny Powell. So can I just ask how you two, because Kelly's been raving about you for a long time now, and um, could I just ask you, Josh, how, how you... Um, how you came across each other and um, what, what for? Yes, yeah, so, so, so I met Kelly through, um, through NACOA. Uh, NACOA is the National Association for Children of Alcoholics. Um, and Ke- Kelly reached out to NACOA, having found us on, um, on Instagram. And, you know, very quickly we, we decided to go and do the, one of our lunchtime lives where we sort of interview people that have had a, that kind of experience. And, um, yeah, it went from there. We had a conversation before, right, to kind of set up the live and, uh, yeah, so that, 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 that's kind of how we met, right? And how we got to know each other in that way. It was so lovely because obviously it was the first time I'd done anything like that and talked about sort of my mum and everything and what happened. Um, but the first time I met Josh the day before, um, I think it was really only supposed to be a five-minute introduction, but I kept him talking for about half an hour. <laughs> but I got off the, the Zoom and was like, oh, he's just fab. I know I'm going to be fine because... It's a big, big thing, isn't it? You've got to trust people, but I think... Because um, you get... don't really talk about it much, just for people who might not know, because when you say what your mum and what happened, um, did just, yeah, you just have to maybe enlighten a few people, Kelly. I feel like you're on, you're the guest of the show and Josh and I are interviewing you now. <laughs> oh. So, yeah, so my mum was an alcoholic and uh, she was all my childhood and uh, she died when I was 19 from it. So, um, and it's only just really now at this point in my life, later 30s, that I've started to talk about it and want to try and help other people, really. Um, I feel like I can. Mm. I'm in a better place to be able to do that. So it was great to meet Josh because Josh has been through so much as well, but the work that he does is incredible because often I think when you've been through stuff like addiction or you've been affected by it because of a family member, you run away from it almost when you can and you don't want to talk about it really or deal with it. So to have people like you who help others Mm. and relive a lot of it constantly 
it's um it's a huge thing to do yeah and uh, i appreciate that and you know it, it it means a lot to me as well that you said that you, you know you felt like you would be okay having spoke to me because i do think creating spaces in that way safe spaces that's how we encourage people to be able to talk about their struggles i think we do a lot of telling people to talk and suggesting that we should do more talking um and actually we should do a lot more focusing on how we can create those spaces for those people because my experience has been when somebody made me feel safe enough to share who i truly am that's the moment when i spoke so the power was in being heard rather than necessarily the talking so i just i think that's a really important point as well so could you just give us a potted history joshua of your story because i know um you know the, the word for you is resilience and what it really means uh, what, what mm. we we all make assumptions about what it means but it was that it was the resilience that that you talk about um in the work you do now but but what kind of is a, a potted history of what what happened to you so I found Nakoa when I was 25 years old and at that stage of my life I was fresh off the back of what I would now call a breakdown. Uh, I reached the stage where I felt like I didn't want to be here anymore and I very seriously planned to not be here anymore. Um, and fortunately for me I had an experience with my, my, my children that weekend, which maybe we'll talk about in a, in a moment, and it changed everything for me and it made me realise that I'd spent my whole life feeling like I had dealt with things by, by having this ability to just keep going and to just keep showing up. Um, and ultimately I'd always been on this path towards the, the, the breakdown that I had. I walked into Nakoa shortly after that and very quickly realized that so much of what I'd been struggling with in my life was the results of my, my dad's drinking. And uh, I quickly looked back at what I'd always said was the perfect childhood and realized that there was a lot of difficulty there when I was, when I was a child. My dad was a, a violent, angry, chaotic man who scared me when he was drunk and scared me when he was sober. Um, now, I, I know that wasn't him at his core because I've been told that he wasn't, but that was now I recognize that was the experiences that I had with him. Um, and it shaped the man that I became. Um, and originally it shaped me into a man that ran from my emotions, desperately did whatever I could in order to avoid feeling the ways that I felt. Uh, and that led me towards that towards that breaking point. And, and, you know, one of the really important things that I recognize now is when I shut myself off from my difficult emotions, I actually shut myself off from being present at all. And, 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 and that's where trauma gets passed through generations and starts to get passed on to families because emotionally we become unavailable in that in that way. Mm. That really resonates, I'm sure, with a lot of people um, who might not necessarily have had such a traumatic journey as you, but you can definitely um, associate that with things in your everyday life, especially as a parent, actually, and how things can be carried through, the way you deal with your emotions and how it, it carries on through your family and your kids. Yeah, and this is the thing, you talked about sort of traumatic. I had traumatic events in my life, right? But 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 trauma is actually not about the traumatic events. Trauma is about what happens inside of me as a result of what happened to me. Trauma comes from the Latin word meaning wound. So we're talking about an internal wound. So we could have experienced trauma as children from things that we, we didn't have in our life. Feeling, feeling like I'm lovable as I, as I am, as I come, right? Um, that's a trauma in my life because I, I didn't feel that when I was a child. I didn't feel lovable fully as who I am. And, you know, I never felt the love of a, of a man in a loving relationship from a father. Uh, I experienced abandonment emotionally from my father. And so 
when I started to have my own children, these things came up again for me. And I think that's why a lot of people find themselves on emotional healing journeys when they start to have children, because children will rip those defenses away that you've built up in your life, right? And they, they take you back to who you really are because they, their intuition pierces through that. Absolutely. That, that's bang on, if I can say that, because that sounds so, <laughs> so on the surface. But what, what's the episode with your children that you were going to say that, that sort of um, tr was the trigger for you then in those darker times? So I, I made a decision um, to, to, to sort of check out, right? And I, and I based that on what felt like a very selfless thing. I thought the best thing for my children, and I had four children at that stage, would be for me to not be here. And I was very lucky because I went to see my children and because I knew I was gonna die, right? The past became irrelevant and the future was, was non-existent. And for the first time ever in my life, I was present with my children in a way that I'd never experienced before. My eldest daughter at the time was six or seven years old. And I remember cuddling her and realizing how connected I w was with her and how present I was to that love um, in a way that I'd never experienced. I remember my son went down the slide and when he got to the bottom, he looked at me and I realized how in the moment I was. And that's what made me change my mind. But it also very much taught me that intellectually loving my children is very different to being consciously present with my children. And you do not need alcohol or drugs or anything else to not be present with your children. And, I'm, and I speak from somebody who, despite all the work that I've done, will still find myself not consciously available for my children in the moments that I wish that I was. Why, why, do we, why do we take loads of pictures when we're on holiday, right? People often say it's because we want to show everyone and because we're egotistical. I think I take lots of pictures when I'm on holidays because part of me knows sometimes I'm not there. And I, and, 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 and I enjoy the holidays more when I'm looking back at the photos. Look at us on the beach, that was amazing. But when we're there, I'm so tense and nervous and, 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 and desperately trying to be there. I miss it. And I always I, say we're know, making memories, we're making memories, which is really, <laughs> you know, you're like, well, no, because we're enjoying the present moment. So, you know, let's take a, a photo if you really want to about this present moment. But do we really need a photo? Why do we just enjoy this present moment? Yeah, exactly. And when we do the photos, we, we, we try to make sure that we act in a certain way in the photo to really bring to life the way that we want to feel when we're there. Right. Um, and the holidays, one example, but, but very often I, I can I can miss out on being present for my children, um, just, you know, through, through stress and, and, and not being emotionally available. What did you do at that point? You know, we said the point that when you, you, you were with your daughter, you had your son, mm. and you were like, okay, you know, so, so what happened then? Was it like, I don't, I do want to live. I do want to be well, here. So what, how did you go about sort of making sure that you were going to be? The first thing I did um, was I came out and what I mean by coming out is I had portrayed this version of myself for all of my life, right? Resilient, brave, like there's no coincidence. I plastered myself in tattoos. You know, I desperately tried to grow a beard as quickly as I could. Jenny all likes of... that beard. So do I. <laughs> <laughs> and the tattoos. All... <laughs> wow. I don't have to say anything on this, do I? But all of that, I did all of that to some degree. Um, trying to portray a version of myself, right? 
this strong, macho, tough man who was dealing with life. And after that weekend, I came out and I said to everybody, that's not who I am. I, I'm, I'm very emotional. I've, I get really overwhelmed. I'm, I feel like I'm on the brink of crying, but feeling capable of crying. And so I came out and I started to reveal my truth to people. And this is why I went into resilience in the way that I did, because I think people think resilience is this ability to just keep going. Um, yeah, it's like a stroke, isn't it? It's like, oh, I actually had an interview yesterday about being in my 50s and like how I've survived this long and I've had, you know, a terrible divorce and blah, 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 blah. And I actually said, ah, oh, he said, what's that? I said, oh, we're just, I'm just so resilient. And then I was reading about what you've said about resilience. I thought, oh, I've got that wrong. Because <laughs> uh, well, um, I, I, I meant, you know, oh, well, us women, we're always, we bounce back. We're strong, you know, mm. um, on the surface. We're this, we're that. Um, and I thought, actually... It's not that at all. And you're going to tell us what it really is. Well, look, look, I think that is part of it. I do think there's a toughness and a tenacity that we need, right? And that you've likely displayed in the way that you have, right? But for me, resilience at its core is understanding exactly what I'm feeling, right? No, right? Knowing what I need as a result of that feeling and then being able to communicate that within my needs and my, my activities and my relationships to make sure that I get the resources that I need, right? So when I'm struggling and I struggle... As a, you know, as a human being, I struggle with my emotions and my feelings. I get overwhelmed a lot. Um, if I know that and I recognize that and I build resources into my life to make sure that I'm dealing with that, then that is the act of resilience. So resilience is not the absence of struggle. Um, it's not the ability to just keep going. It's the ability to understand exactly in the moment what I need. And that's about self-actualization. Now, I believe we get away from that core sense of who we are when we're children and I think a lot of that is taught in the way in which we interact and, and, and parent our children. I think we push them, myself included, when we're not careful, we push them away from their authenticity, right? Um, and there's, there's social aspects to that. So as a man, I was often told that I was too sensitive and that I needed to be stronger. Um, and my daughter, for example, my four-year-old daughter, who's like her mum, so she's very strong-willed, very sort of knows what she wants, will will tell you what she's thinking and what she wants. Um, and, and, you know, she can be described as being bossy. But, but, if she was a, but if she was a boy, she would be a good, strong, tough lad who I needed to nurture that in. Yeah, right? and then when they're older men, they're called assertive. <laughs> and then they're called and assertive. And women are called bitches. <laughs> I mean, it's, yeah, you know... But, but that is the way that it goes, yeah. right? And women will be t portrayed as sort of angry women. Like if, if, if a woman raised a, a, a voice within a, in a group of people, it would be, there would be a little bit of like, oh, all right. She's hormonal, I get. Yeah, what, yeah. hormonal, what's up with you, right? Mm, yeah. But if a man did it, right, if a man did it, it would be like good, strong man. Um, so, so there's the societal aspects of it. Um, but then there's also um, our own stresses and our own, things show up in our life. So let me give you an example. As a child with the way that my dad was, I sensed my mum's struggle, her deep internal struggle with what was going on. And as a child, an intuitive child, desperate to attach to her in the way that I needed to, I didn't want to burden her with my own resulting struggle. And so my mum would say, you're okay, aren't you? Right? And, and when my mum, yeah, exactly. Because I sensed my mum needs me to be okay. So I developed a way of pushing down my own emotions and showing up in the way in which my mum needed me to be. So I, so I grew up really good at getting lots of friends and getting lots of people around me, 
because I became the version of what I thought they needed me to be. And I, and I hid myself. So, so, so I was often emotionally alone. Loneliness, by the way, is very little to do or not a lot to, not always a lot to do with the amount of people we have around us, but, but with the amount I'm able to share with you about myself. And so when our authenticity, like who, what we are and what we're truly feeling threatens our attachment to our parents, it's the authenticity that we'll push down. Because You'll sacrifice I, it, won't I'll you? Sacri- just to, I will sacrifice to your parents. and abandon myself in order to be what I think my parent needs me to be. And that will continue throughout my life. Our hot mess mums, telling it like it is, Kelly Pegg with Jenny Powell. Not long left for you to nominate a mum who deserves a treat this Christmas. This year has been tough, but we want to help give one mum a Christmas to remember for the right reasons this year. Our friends at Swan are helping us do this by giving you a voucher for their products for a massive £2,000. Now, if you don't know about Swan, their homeware products are amazing. They're great quality, super stylish. This money can go a long way to giving your home a facelift this Christmas. We want to find the most deserving mum in the Hot Mess Mums Club, someone who's had the most challenging 12 months. To find them, we want you to nominate someone you know that's gone above and beyond this year, being an incredible mum in the most trying times. To do this, all you need to do is go to hotmessmumsclub.com forward slash win and let us know all about the person you're nominating. Entries close at 23.59 on Thursday, 3rd of December 2020. After this, we'll go through all the entries before finding our hero mum of 2020. Good luck, Kelly Pegg, Jenny Powell, Hot Mess Mums. So in these present times, you must be really busy um, because mindfulness, um, I think the spiritual spirituality of all of us in the human race has um, come to the fore now, hopefully, as a means of pure mm. survival. <laughs> yeah. um, but I'm just intrigued. So for you, what, what, what sort of like, I mean, you're not advertising what you do, but, but what's sort of a typical day, typical day for you? What's your perfect day, Josh, and what you do now coming from where you have? Uh, so, look, the, the, most of my work today is doing delivering webinars, right? So I, do, I, work, I like working with groups. So I do a lot of work in the corporate environment where I work with groups of people to kind of get them to understand resilience in the way that I'm looking at it, which is understanding our emotions much better at, at its core. Uh, I think the lockdown has showed us all. A lot of people talked about being on a, an emotional roller coaster, right? Now, the, the, we, we, we believed that that was being caused by what was happening to us, but actually, I think most of us live on a little bit of an emotional roller coaster, and you know, the lockdown took away a lot of our escapism, and some of us were sat with these feelings and emotions that we'd always ran away from. Um, Exactly, exactly. Um, and actually so much of what's fed to us in the kind of, in the spiritual world and, and, and in the mental health space is actually just feeding us nice ways of escaping how we feel. And we've got to be careful with that because we really, you know, the real work is in feeling my range of emotions and, and, and knowing that that's okay. I'm allowed, I'm allowed to get sad. If my life circumstances are sad, then I should be feeling sad, right? Um, so I need to, I need to be able to, to regulate and I you know nobody I never brought my emotions to the forefront when I was a kid so I never learned how to regulate them you know if I sit down and watch Netflix with a whole tub of ice cream it's not because I've in that moment forgot what calories are and I need to do some nutrition work it's because in that moment I don't want to deal with the ways that I feel and I know that eating a tub of ice cream will just help me to avoid that a little bit more while I watch Netflix 
right? So, so it's that escapism that we need to be kind of really careful about and also know that escapism is okay too. <laughs> as long as I'm conscious, if I'm going, you know what, I've had enough today, I'm going to do a tub of ice cream and watch Netflix and then tomorrow I'm going to deal with this. That's different to go in, I'm okay, everything's fine, I'm going to do a tub of ice cream and watch Netflix, yeah? So there's a difference and it's being conscious and it's, it's just really, it's about waking up to that and allowing ourselves to, to be human and to feel our emotions and struggling doesn't necessarily mean we've got a mental health problem. Struggling is part of being, part of being human and part of what makes us grow and evolve into who we really are. You did that a video yesterday, sort of touching on those points, which was really powerful. Yeah. Um, and you were saying, you know, we a lot of us, and it is something else. I think that we all maybe is societal. It, it is something we think we should do. Is that we we find all these coping mechanisms to manage everything because we're not allowed to feel sad. We're not allowed to feel down. We don't let ourselves feel stressed. So we find ways all the time, either escaping the tub of ice cream, alcohol, whatever it is. And, and your video was sort of saying that what you've said there is that we have to learn to be okay. Not every mm. day is going to be brilliant. We're not going to want to tap dance our way through it. Um, and I think that is so powerful. And for so many people, especially like for me, I always thought being busy meant that I was successful. Mm. Being busy meant that I was coping. It meant mm. that people would look at me and think, wow, look at her. She's like a rocket. She never stops. Mm. You know? And now I've realised, God, it's just shit and it's exhausting. And I, I don't, I don't want to live like that. If I don't want to do something, then I go, I'm not doing it. I'm just going to chill today. And that's okay. It's taken me 30, I don't know how many years to get there. Do you yeah. know, to get to that place. I'm nearly 39 where, and if I'm having a bad day, I'll just talk about it. Yeah. You know? But even when you look at our language around this stuff, right? So often, like, if you have a good cry, right? If something difficult's happened and you have that moment where you let it all out and you have a good cry, right? Our language that we often use for that is we go, and then I just fell apart, right? But, but what happens after we fall apart? If you have that good cry and you let it all out, you feel so much better afterwards, right? So you didn't, you didn't fall apart. Actually, the act of crying brought you back together, but we look at it so wrong because we think that crying's wrong. If you go to a funeral, by the way, if you come out with dry eyes, everyone says you did really well in there. Actually, to do really well in a funeral is to, to, to fall apart and cry and to let the emotion out, right? But, but we, we, we literally almost teach addiction. We say, if you don't feel good, find a way to feel good, right? Addiction is, you know, anything that I do for temporary relief that has an adverse effect in the long run, right? Um, when we look at addiction like that, it's a sliding scale and one that we're all on, right? And we just use different things. Like you say, that busyness is still celebrated in our society, yeah? The busy entrepreneur is seen as really successful, right? But they're running away from the same thing as the, the man on the street who's become addicted to heroin. They both got the same problem. They're both running away perhaps from the same emotions, right? But we kind of stigmatize one and say, you need to help yourself and we celebrate the other. And we do that with lots of different addictions, by the way. Uh, fitness addiction, you know, count, counting calories, or, you know, um, not that counting calories is necessarily even bad, but, but if you're doing it to run away from your feelings and your emotions, yeah, then, then it's problematic. Helping people is another one, yeah? No one calls you out on that addiction, do they? Nobody says, Josh, you need to stop helping people, yeah? Because how do you say that to Josh? Stop helping people, it's not, it's not good. When really I'm doing it because I'm running away from how I'm feeling and I don't want to stop because if I stop, 
I've got to sit with my pain and I don't know how to deal with that. So we've got to find ways to express and deal with that pain because that's that's human and that's normal and that's what being human is, right? But but we live in an almost sort of traumatized, addicted society. Oh, I'm intrigued now. I'm I'm sucked in now because oh yeah. But what's your little addiction, Kelly? Because I think since you know the part in the past six months you know there have been some more um unwelcome and more unexpected anxieties than normal um and i always get that in the morning and i found myself sweeping the kitchen floor like joan crawford never did that bad (laughs) right and at first i was like i hate this floor this floor i've never liked this floor this floor and that was that's it that's the addiction that's the thing that because I couldn't cope with the anxiety of what's been happening. I mean, I've got a really clean kitchen floor, but that's the one. So what's your one, Kelly? And I bet everybody at home will relate to this because it can be a small thing, can't it, Just Just a, a daft thing, but it is. And, that, and that's where you've got to recognise it and then think, right, I have to deal with it. Yeah. So, what's... Mm. so I think during lockdown and for a bit afterwards as well, it was exercise. I went so uh, you far. did. She I did, I'd have a word Ill. with the Josh. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. So did I lie down for two days because uh, she was just knackered. Two weeks. She spent. I went mad. I did the calorie yeah, deficit. She did. Talking about the calorie counting. Yeah. I did the whole, okay, I'm going on this fat loss plan. Yeah. And I was training six times a week. I was had the kids at home. I had my husband at home running around after them all. And it took all the joy out of, because I like to train, but it took the joy out of it because I made myself so poorly, I ended up having to have a load of blood tests. And a good mm. talking to from Jenny, Chris, my husband, and the GP. Mm. That's how I coped. I'm an all or nothing person, or I thought I was. I'm trying to, I'm learning not, I'm unlearning it. Yeah. And, and learning not to be, but that is where I went with it every morning. Like Jenny's sleeping the floor, do that too. I was outside. Yeah. Young people are doing that too. I found my 19-year-old, she had a thing about food and calories, like off the radar, Josh. Well, that, and that, everyone seems to... And it's been in this past six months more than... That, and that's the new, um, you know, talk about sort of eating disorders and you have like the, 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 the bulimia and anorexia, like the, the latest version of this is something that we're literally promoting, by the way, um, in the space, which is counting calories. And um, uh, and I did this, by the way, and I would literally, I got to the point where I would starve myself all day, right? and I would come home from a day, you know, I might, I'd be at a conference, for example, and I would go out at two o'clock from this conference for the break, and you'd have that taste in your mouth that comes up from your belly where you've not eaten all day. And I, instead of thinking, cool, I should eat, I would think, if I go in to that conference, I'm in there for another three hours, I'd have gone six o'clock without eating. And I'll do that and I'll get home and I'll look in the mirror and I'll be like, wow, look how I'm lean. Like my skin is just on my muscles, yeah? And then I go downstairs and the binge will start. And two hours later, I'm looking in the mirror and I'm like, you're a fat mess, right? And that's what I do to, and that's what I would do to myself. And it was all based around counting calories, right? And I looked in great shape, right? But it was, again, it was all based around, one, trying to get some control in my life when I felt in control of my emotions. And, and, and second, it was about trying to feel, fill a certain hole that that was never going to fill, you know? C- cleaning the floor, Jenny, you, you clean the floor to get it clean, right? The, the floor could never have got clean enough to deal with the reason why you were cleaning the floor, 
right? Similarly, Kelly, you, with, with exercise, you could never have got fit enough to fill that hole. And what does that, what does that hole always come back to? It comes back to this idea that in and of myself and the ways that I'm currently feeling, I'm not lovable. I'm going to be abandoned, right? So, I, because at the core, I can't go to my wife and say, I feel really lonely at the moment. I feel down. I want to express emotions that I can't even kind of figure out what they are. And there's a part of me, that inner child part of me that goes, don't do that. When we do that, we get abandoned, right? So, so go get fit. Go count your calories. Go clean the floor. Do something. Do something, but don't let them see this. And it comes back to that. Yeah, exactly. And it comes back to that for all of us, with all that we do. And it's the same for successful people that go through their life. They ace the GCSEs. They go, they ace uni. They go into their career. They get the, they get the rise. They get the rise. They're at the top of the company, right? And everyone says, wow, you, you know, I wish I could be like you. And they look around and they think, I don't know why I feel so alone, right? Because, because it's not filling that original need. And the original need comes back, right back to the same thing. Am I lovable who I am today, the way I show up in the world today? With all of my faults, with all of my faults, you know, I do a lot of stupid things in my life today, right? Can I love myself in those moments? Or do I think that I'm not lovable when I'm like that and I need to change and I need to be something else? Because there's the work. There's, there's where we need to be. I need to know that no matter what I do, I'm a human being. And if I clean the floor too much or I do too much exercise, right? I'm a human being and at that stage of my life, I hadn't found a better way to soothe my pain. So I'm going to forgive myself and I'm going to start again, right? And, you know, that I, I think when we talk about the spirituality work and the self-help work, that's the essence of it. That's the essence of it. Can I bring myself back to myself without fear of abandonment or in spite of fear of abandonment? Wow. Well, I, I think that's a perfect way to end um, and the first chat, because you're obviously going to come back. If you're not doing James Bond, yeah. of course. And we need to get you in all the schools across the country. Absolutely. I just it, think mm. so many young people, that they would, I know, no, I know, I know so many young people mm. would just benefit from talking to you, listening to you as well. Mm. He's great, isn't he, Jim? Absolutely brilliant. Well done, Kelly. <laughs> the Hot Mess Mums. Kelly Pegg with Jenny Powell. Don't forget, we're giving away an incredible voucher for Swans products worth £2,000 to one mum in the club this Christmas. But we need you to help us. To do this, all you need to do is to go to hotmessmumsclub.com forward slash win and let us know all about the person you're nominating. But hurry, there's not long left. Entries close at 23.59 on Thursday, 3rd of December, 2020. After this, we'll go through all the entries before finding our hero mum of 2020. Good luck. <laughs> <laughs>